When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. It's Live in the Bream with host of Fox News at Night, Shannon Bream. Joining us this week on Live in the Bream, um, someone I have long admired, and I'm so excited to have a conversation with him today. He is a pastor. You will know him, Louis Giglio, as the leader or at least one of the founders of the Passion Movement. He is a best-selling author. He's a fantastic speaker. Um, he's got so many talents, but he's also humble. So um, I know that he has said less is more. So I won't go on, but Pastor, great to have you with us. Oh, good to be here, Shannon. Thanks a lot for having me. And your brand new book out, Don't Give the Enemy a Seat at Your Table. It's Time to Win the Battle of Your Mind. What a timely, important book. Uh, over the last year plus, people have struggled in so many different ways. There's been fear and anxiety and real loss and struggle for people. And um, I think so much of it has been isolating and there have been uh, a lot of things that come after us mentally. So was this book already in process? Did it come about because of the pandemic? What gave it life for you? Yeah, the book fortunately came at the right time because it came in the middle of the pandemic. But the message came to me, Shannon, a few years back, five, six years ago. I was walking through a really difficult season of life and uh, some things were said, some things were done. And you know how we all are. We're like, well, give this time. And I think the truth's going to come out. And a few months into the deal, I get a message that something had happened that day and it vindicated me in a small way. I'm just being honest. I know it sounds petty, but sometimes we want to celebrate one of those moments. Like I knew if we just waited mm -hmm. that it would sort of come out the right way. And I texted a friend, a long text, wanting someone to commiserate with and to share the celebration of this little triumph. And the friend texted me back a very short nine word text and the text read, don't give the enemy a seat at your table. Wow. And Shannon, it just cut through all the clutter and the frustration and all the bitterness that had been trying to take root and all the anxiety and the late nights and the multiple conversations I'd had in my mind with all these different people. And I was like, are you kidding me? All this time, I have let my adversary, this book is about the enemy, the capital E enemy, our adversary. I had let him start influencing my thinking. I'd given him a seat at my table, and I was entertaining a conversation with someone who was out to destroy me. And right then and there, standing in my driveway, I decided I am going to take my table back, and I'm going to take control of this area of my thinking. And so someone asked me the other day, who did you write this book for? I said, I wrote this book for me. Mm -hmm. And a it's whole lot of case. people like me <laughs> who have let the enemy take a seat at their table. Yeah. And you talk about this idea, which is, it's such an important one uh, in the Christian faith. We hear about taking every captive, every thought captive um, and making it obedient to Christ. And it's so easy for us to spin and to, like you said, fixate on something or, um, you know, something comes into our mind and we have questions about, 
Is this of God? Is this of the enemy? What am I being led by? It's such an important verse. What are practical ways we can actually do that when fear or anxiety or jealousy or whatever we're struggling with comes? How do we actually take things captive? Well, I think the first thing we do is we just tattoo this title on our mind so that immediately when fear or anxiety or bitterness or anger or jealousy comparison, when they start dominating, you know, we can't control a thought coming into our mind, but we can decide whether we want to host that thought or not, whether we want to give it shelter and sustenance and a seat at our table. And I think the practical way for me is just to be alert, A, and then when the thought comes to ask it a question. And so I like to ask and interrogate. So now I'm afraid. I'm afraid of what? I'm afraid of this conversation. I'm afraid of this outcome. I'm afraid of what's going to happen at my job tomorrow. So I'm afraid. So I'm fearful. So now I'm staring at the ceiling at two o'clock. So I've got to investigate now. And I got to ask this fear, where did you come from? And if we'll take the moment to ask that question to the thoughts that want to sit at our table, if we know God's heart, which I encourage people to get to know the heart, the will, and the ways of God. And the way you do that is by getting to know the word of God. And if you know the word of God and you're learning the heart, the will, and the ways of God, you'll know right away whether this thought came from God or not. And if it came from God, amazing. If it didn't come from God, it doesn't match his heart. It doesn't match his character. It doesn't match his will. It doesn't match his ways. Then you have to address that thought and say, nope, you don't get to sit at this table And in the authority that I have as a follower of Jesus, I say no to this thought. And then secondly, I'm going to replace it with a thought that's true. And I'll give you a perfect example. So someone right now that's listening to us is hearing at their table, you're not going to make it. You're not going to make it through this week. You're not going to make it through this treatment. You're not going to make it through this settlement, through this deal at work. You're not going to make it. And they need to ask, where did that thought come from? Well, it didn't come from their shepherd because he's sitting right at the table saying, if we walk through the valley of the shadow, I will be with you. And so we know he leads us through. So we're no, we know we're going to make it. And we know that we're sitting here because we made it every single day of our life so far, even the ones we didn't think we were. So now I'm going to replace the thought, I'm not going to make it with this new thought. God has brought me through every day of my life. That's my new thought. And I'm going to replace, I'm not going to make it with, I'm going to make it because God has brought me through every day of my life. Now I've taken the thought captive, replaced it with a new thought, and the enemy doesn't have a seat at my table. Mm -hmm. And the fact is you talk about this, the enemy is smart. I mean, he's not going to show up with things that we know are absolutely phony and false that we can easily spot as just a joke. I mean, he's, he is smart. He is wily. And we're told that we have to be on guard. Um, So talk about that. I mean, I I think that's where sometimes we get into this idea of trying to discern what you talked about, um, judging things against God's word, Philippians 4, 8. Um, I love that verse. My parents, when they gave me a graduation gift, a little bracelet from high school, they had that verse engraved on the inside. And it's such a smart thing to test things about what's noble, what's true, what's right. Um, Those are the things we have to think about. But the fact is our enemy is pretty advanced sometimes. Yeah. Everybody wants someone to be in their corner, especially when they're down. So that's his tactic. He's going to put his arm around you and say, man, 
I don't know how you stay married to her. I mean, props to you, <laughs> you know, I mean, for real, most people would have bailed out by now, but not you, you are hanging in there. And we're like, wow, thanks for noticing. Thank you for recognizing that mm-hmm. I've really, you know, done a pretty good job here. But what he wants to do is rip your marriage apart and rip your dreams apart and rip your relationship with your kids apart. But he's not going to start with that. And it's like when Shelly and I went on our honeymoon, we booked this vacation on the little pamphlet. That's how old we are that I'd got at the travel agency. And it's this place in the Virgin Islands. And it looks so perfect. The beach, the palm trees, the lawn, the pool, the hotel. And so we got there and we checked into our room and it was all just like the photo in the pamphlet, except that there was a, a junkyard for demolished boats on the no. other side of the beach. That had conveniently been cropped out of the photo in the brochure. And I was so mad. I was, I went down to the desk. I'm the telling the honest truth with the brochure and I said to this very innocent young lady, they cropped the boat graveyard out of my honeymoon. And that's what the enemy does. He crops all the disaster out. Mm-hmm. He lets us see this little glimmer or sliver of momentary happiness and joy and pleasure. But if, if we'll let God zoom out, we'll see that there's only one end of this enemy's voice, and it is to steal, kill, and destroy. And so to do what you're talking about, to come around the things that are pure, think about things that are lovely, things that are true, things that are honorable, things that are of good report, think on these things. It is an active process where we begin to take stewardship over the garden of our own mind and our own thoughts. You talk about temptation as well. And, you know, there are these um, debates that folks will have about, well, God put me in this position or he allowed this person or this circumstance to come into my life. Um, Talk about what the Bible tells us about temptation when it shows up, who's responsible, what God expects us to do, how we handle it. I think it's super important to understand this question. It is a great question. And I think the delineation is between temptation and testing. God doesn't tempt us to sin, but he does test us to make us stronger. So he took the children of Israel the long route to the promised land. Why? He wanted to make them stronger. He wanted to test them, show them his faithfulness, put them in situations where they had to depend on him. That's different than saying, hey, I'm not going to take you the direct route. I want you to go over here uh, into this sinful area. And I'm going to put you in a situation where all the choices are sinful choices. That's temptation. God doesn't tempt us. The scripture says when we're tempted, it's not him that's tempting us. It's the enemy. So we have to discern right away. God will test us because he wants to make us stronger and no one gets stronger without going through the fire. I mean, you've got graduate degrees and you've accomplished all these amazing things. Well, that wasn't easy. That all happened because you put yourself in a very trying and testing environment, and it made you smarter, wiser, and stronger, and more equipped to do what God's called you to do. That's very different than God saying, hey, I'm going to put you over here in a situation where you're going to sin and make a decision that's contrary to my will. So if the outcome is contrary to the word of God, that's temptation, and that's not God leading you. If it's just difficult, and God's putting you in a situation where you have to trust him more, depend on him more, see him come through and provision for you more, that could be God wanting to make you stronger so that he could count on you to do something even greater at another season of your life. 
We'll have more of this interview coming up. Listen to the all-new Brett Bear podcast featuring Common Ground, in-depth talks with lawmakers from opposite sides of the aisle, along with all your Brett Bear favorites like his all-star panel and much more. Available now at foxnewspodcasts.com or wherever you get your podcasts. We're talking to Pastor Louis Giglio, a best-selling author and speaker and innovator uh, in ministry. His new book is Don't Give the Enemy a Seat at Your Table. It's time to win the battle of your mind. So much good practical information and truth in this book. Um, but you also acknowledge, listen, we're going to fail. We're not always going to get this <laughs> right. Um, I'm speaking to myself. Um, but there's grace when that happens as well. And that's an important concept. Yeah, the enemy's a you know he's a got a, a a right you know jab and a left hook, and the jab you know is kind of like the temptation, temptation, temptation. You're gonna you're gonna want to do this. You're gonna want to fall. You, you this is gonna be good for you. What we were talking about earlier, but the the hook, the left hook is once we do make a bad decision, and we do, we all fail, we all come short, we all sin still, and when we do, that same voice that was saying come on, this is going to be amazing. It, I mean, in a heartbeat, that voice changes to you are the worst person alive. How could you possibly do that again? Mm -hmm. God would not even want to hear from you. Your chances are over. You are, and then it's just condemnation. So temptation quickly turns into condemnation. And then he's telling us, don't even think about going back to God. Don't even think about being forgiven. Don't even think about God using you again. And, and we just don't have the clarity to look up at him and go, shut up. You are the same person who got me into this mess mm -hmm. in the first place. So you need to go away and I need to come back to God, confess what I've done, receive the grace, the forgiveness, the mercy that is already paid for in full through Jesus on the cross. And I need to get up, dust myself off, change my direction and take a new step with God, a new beginning with God. Conviction comes from God and leads us on a path back to life. Condemnation, it comes from the enemy. The guilt trip comes from the enemy, and it leads us on a path right back typically into what we did the first time. Mm -hmm. And so we've got to know it's not just the enemy who tempts. It's He's the one then that comes on the backside and pours all the condemnation and shame on our lives. And one thing that's beautiful today, Shannon, for us to celebrate is that there are uh, consequences to our bad decisions, and those don't go away. But the shame, the guilt, and the condemnation, that did go away on the day that the most beautiful one of all took all of our shame and all of our guilt and all of our condemnation on his innocent life. And so the guilt trip is over. And we can stand back up as loved children of God, and we can take a new step with him today. I am grateful for the mercy and forgiveness every single day. I try to need less of it. That's my goal every day, but it is very comforting to know it's there. Um, I was struck in your book and these concepts of the enemy and, and all the chaos and the division and harm that he wants to cause about where we are today in the world. There's such divisive things. Um, you know, the need for having conversations, tough conversations about race reconciliation, um, even things inside the church, the role of women and what they should do and what they shouldn't do in ministry, um, you know, political divides and looking at people and saying, you know, because we don't agree on this issue, I just don't respect them at all. I don't even see them as a child of God. 
I can't have a conversation with them. I am immediately um, predisposed against them because we don't see eye to eye on this issue. I think the enemy loves all of that chaos and loves all that stuff. What can we take um, from your book that may help us to move past some of that where the church can be part of stepping out to heal, where wrongs need to be righted, where relationships need to be built? How can we do better overcoming the enemy by doing those things? Well, you know, I think that uh, the, the axioms of the gospel are forgiven people forgive. People who've received grace extend grace. Loved people <laughs> love. And so it starts with our relationship with God and really asking the question, have I really stepped into this ocean called mercy, grace, forgiveness, and love? Jesus came full of grace and full of truth, not one or the other, but full of both. And I think the thing that really has helped me the most, Shannon, is to come to this simple reality, that God doesn't agree with me. Okay, I'm talking about Louis Giglio now. Mm -hmm. God does not agree with Louis Giglio on every single item. In other words, I think things sometimes that are different than God, and I want to do things sometimes that are different than God. And I have a history of things in my life that I'm not that proud of um, that were anti-God. But yet, even though God didn't agree with me, he loved me. And so love and agreement don't have to go together. You can disagree with someone like God occasionally disagrees with me mm -hmm. and still love them. And so I think we've got to get to that place in our culture where, where we can say to each other, hey, just because I disagree with you doesn't mean I don't love you. You're created in the image of God. You have dignity and worth and value because you have the image of the almighty God stamped inside of you. Therefore, I'm going to give you the honor and the respect of the dignity of God, and I can love you. But I don't have to agree with you to love you. And um, I think if we can get to that place, it allows us to operate in a context of mutual respect where I can say, I can be your neighbor, I can be civil, I can take your trash out when you're out of town, I can care for your dog when you go on vacation, and I can show you kindness and come and meet your needs in a time of need. But we might disagree on two or three major issues, but I respect you, and you respect me, and that's the groundwork, I think, that we find at the foot of the cross, and that's how you begin to move forward. Yeah. And, and I love that illustration because I think about in our neighborhood, um, people have all kinds of different ideologies and um, they're also the ones though, that when COVID hit, um, people were bringing each other baked goods. And um, some of the best conversations that we have are with people who, you know, don't agree on everything. There's no human being that we're going to agree with 100% on anything. So even though knowing all these folks in our, our neighborhood um, come from different places, we do love each other and we respect each other and can have difficult conversations. And I think people are so scared to have tough conversations for fear of offending. And we should be conscious, conscious and sensitive about that. But I do think um, we also are living out the commandments to love our neighbors as ourselves, which is not always an easy thing. We tend to be very self-centered, selfish people <laughs> from the womb. Um, so we always have work to do. Um, before we let you go, uh, I just got to ask you a personal question or two. What do you do for fun? Do you even have time for fun? <laughs> 
Well, you know, fortunately, I, and I, I know this is going to sound really like a cheese ball answer, but I love my job. So I have fun coming to work every day. And, I, and that's a weird, you know, the way to answer the question. Maybe we're like, okay, so when you're not preaching and you're not leading and you're not hosting a big event, what do you do for fun? And I'm like, I actually like preaching and I like leading and I like right. my job. So I'm blessed to really have fun all day. I mean, doesn't mean the work's easy every day, but I love to get out on my road bike, uh, meaning one that you pedal and not one that makes a lot of mm-hmm. noise. Uh, I love when uh, the world isn't shut down to travel to big cities with my wife. And um, those are two of the things I love most. I'm right now experimenting in Italian cooking, which I should have learned a long time ago with the last name like Giglio, which is uh, more of the Italian pronunciation. So uh, we've got a lot of interest in a lot of things that keep us going. Right now I'm reading about Michelangelo, the sculptor, and it's taken me all the way back to the history of Florence. And to me, I couldn't think of anything I'd rather be doing. So lots of fun things in life. Listen, if you need any uh, Italian taste testers, that's one of my hobbies, is eating <laughs> Italian food. So, well, I've mastered that one already. So I'm well accomplished. As you progress, keep us updated. Now um, branching out. Again, the book is Don't Give the Enemy a Seat at Your Table. It's time to win the battle of your mind. Um, it's full of great concepts, but very practical help, too. And we all are going to have these struggles at some point in our life. Um, by Louis Giglio. I hope you'll check it out. Um, Pastor, thanks for making time for us today. Great to visit with you on Living the Bream. Thank you so much. I loved being on Living the Bream. I'm Charles Payne. Listen to my Unstoppable Prosperity podcast so I can get you making money right now. Whether stocks are hitting new all-time highs or in freefall mode, opportunities abound. So why are so many potential investors still sitting on the sidelines? In a new season of my podcast, I'm going to get you in the game. After 38 years on Wall Street, I'm ready to impart some lessons and get you invested in the greatest wealth-generating machine in history. Listen anytime, everywhere at foxbusinesspodcast.com or wherever you listen to your favorite podcast.